Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Have you been dismissed from work just for the way you tut? Have you been fired simply for forgetting to tidy your coffee cup away? Do you suspect your employer has simply failed to secure a second series and is, in fact, a rotten shit? Support for this podcast comes from Bingley, Bingley and Other, North Norfolk's finest employment lawyers. Get your coat and then get in touch. Contact us at www.everyonebutjill, but then also jill.com. Hello, Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just a quick word before we get on with episode two of the podcast to say a very quick but absolutely massive thank you to everyone who's uh, listened, subscribed and rated us. Uh, we really did start this just as a bit of fun uh, and we found that thanks to your support, we've ended up at number one in the TV and film chart and number three in the overall iTunes chart, which is insane and unexpected. So thank you very much. Uh, please do keep listening, spread the word and on with the episode. Everywhere. Roll on the thighs of the Virgin. 
Donkey Tennis. At ease, stand down, and you're not in the army anymore. Welcome to the second episode of Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge podcast. Today we're going to be looking at Alan Attraction, episode two. My name is Adam Brooks, and I'm also joined by Tom Dark. Aha! Uh-huh. Nick Older. Uh-huh. And Tom Stab. You're sexy. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, according to the VHS label of this series, Alan Attraction is described thusly. It's Valentine's Day and Alan enjoys a romantic liaison with a receptionist at Pear Tree Productions. Passions are aroused and some hot, sticky moments ensue as Alan discovers whether business and pleasure really can mix. So I'm not sure about anyone else, but I think this is probably among the best of the Alan Partridge episodes there's ever been. I would be inclined to agree. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so many, uh, so many great points to touch on. We'll get into them in some detail, but obviously there's a lot of chocolate in this episode. Yeah, we should just say that chocolate oranges are available. <laughs> <laughs> Again, easy for you to say, yeah. Nick. Are, they are available at Rolling, <laughs> at Ro- at Rolling Orange. <laughs> Nick just had to try to say that. He's having a strong call of ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, thanks for that, by the way. Uh, I think... Uh, the retailer Rawlinson's, you might remember from the previous episode, Tom Dark was rightly chastised for being the only one that was familiar with Foster's <laughs> menswear. What is Rawlinson's? I'm looking to you, Tom, for your knowledge of budget retailers <laughs> that potentially only oper- operated in the uh, devices regions. I've, I've got nothing for you. Is, is it made up? I presumed it was made up. I presumed it was made up. Tom Stab is going to take to Google here whilst we can Once continue again, chatting. a man looks uh, up a thing. Producer Jed says it's real. Rolling That's exciting because I thought... Although Producer Jed is not allowed to speak. We've told him this already. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so yeah, you do have the four of us in a room with Producer Jed, but we have not given him a microphone. So yeah, I can't here, find any but... reference to... Raw... No. Spell it with an A. Rawlinson. Uh, I presumed it was Rawlinson. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the sound of live research. <laughs> And Rawlinson's is uh, a shop in Peterborough by the looks of things. Chartered it's not accountants. too far away from. That's, uh, yeah, that's not it, is it? Okay, well, uh, yeah, the mystery I can't continues. To it, yeah, I think it might be. Well, I just assumed it was some kind of like local corner shop type thing. So. Mm-hmm. Just had to say that. Just yeah. had to say that. We've got a couple of shop damaged chocolate oranges on the table in front of us, just to uh, keep Crack them open real. at some point. Surely, yeah, yeah. definitely. Maybe, maybe finish the podcast first. The episode opens again uh, with him broadcasting Radio Norwich, always the same, uh, with the news that they've had to withdraw their telephone Cluedo because of a legal action from the makers of Cluedo, which uh, seems entirely fair. I think so, yeah. Um, also, it's Valentine's Day, so it opens with... I was a bit confused because there's four Valentine's cards on the desk... Uh, but it's not clear whether they're on Dave Clifton's side or on Alan Partridge's side. And I sort of thought neither of them would get four, surely. Unless... Two each? Yeah. Share them out? One from each parent? (laughs) Exactly, that works. (laughs) Yeah, one's not going to be from Lynn, is it? Mm, No, probably not. I'm not sure... well, I think she would send him one and he would be a f- appalled. And a f- but he wouldn't put it no, he wouldn't. in the studio. I don't think she would have sent him one. No. I'm not no. sure. No. Do you think she loves him? Well, that was something I did want to discuss this episode, but maybe we should get to that later when she tries to upstage Jill with her snazzy cardigan. Uh, Very good point. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we'll come back to that. He does give um, a bit of a shout out to Lynn, though. His tireless uh, PA, Lynn. 50. 50. Absolutely. They chose 50 as her age, by the way, beca- uh, because they were annoyed by comedians saying that only odd numbers were funny. And they thought... <laughs> what? They thought, they thought, <laughs> on the commentary. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've Apparently it's, com- it's comedy wisdom that you're like, 47, 33, they're funnier numbers. Right. And, but they just knew that saying Lynn, 50, would be funnier. So, <laughs> Well, Nick's laughing, so... I thought it was great. Nick, uh, <laughs> Nick is quite easily... <laughs> <laughs> 
um, I was I was going to say actually talking about the chocolate oranges. Uh, a few of us in the in the team were lucky enough to go to the Alan Partridge Alpha Papa film premiere the other year and. The other, the other year. Who, who are these people? Why was, why was I not invited uh, to this? Well, I mean, let's put it this way. It wasn't Tom Stab, but it was me, and it was Adam, and it was Nick. So, okay. Um, so, what? <laughs> <laughs> Producer Jen is loving yeah. this. And, um, then, and then just an empty chair. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> not really. I mean, we, we had the ticket. Come on, we won't invite him so we can eat his chocolate orange. Exactly. So basically, what, what I loved about you this was ignorant. every every seat in the cinema had a shop damaged chocolate orange soiled shop soiled chocolate orange on the the seat yeah a lovely touch yeah not much else happened i don't think in in the opening the radio station no i think all you get really is there's his conversation with dave clifton is pretty strained and you can see that dave clifton basically has little to no time for alan here when he's kind of going back and forth with his awkward plug that is a relationship i love to watch deteriorate yes it's it's great so good although you do have a nice thick slice of a thin lizzie at the start here which oh that's right i was always a bit disappointed well not disappointed when we went to see alpha papa at the premiere sorry tom stab um when sorry about when 75% 75% of us went to see the Alpha and had, and had 100% of a great yeah, it, time. It was brilliant. This yeah. country. Um, but one thing, one thing that, that develops from here to the movie is that Dave Clifton became such a pathetic figure in the movie. <laughs> I almost preferred it when he was something of a challenge. Yeah, for Alan, yeah, you know? yeah well, I, I agree with that. I always thought they got it a bit wrong with the film. I feel like Dave Clifton should have been the arch nemesis for the movie, not yeah, the other guy, uh, Pat. Pat, 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 Pat. In in the commentary as well, they just they imagined Dave Clifton's story after this uh, series ends, and they thought that what would have happened is that he would have got a big break that makes Alan incredibly jealous, like you know, early morning breakfast at Virgin Radio or something like that. Oh, what but, a big break! But that within two weeks, his kind of excessive boozing would have caused him to say something offensive and be sacked again. So yes. Dave would have had his like short moment in the sun, but ultimately, Alan He's is the drunk. star. Yeah, yeah, he would have messed it up through booze. <laughs> I also did want to say the uh, the Alan and Dave exchange at the start of this episode is <laughs> just just to, just to amuse myself if nothing else. I do like to repeat the Valentine's exchange every year about the uh, when I come down this, when I came down this morning I couldn't open my door. Wash <laughs> uh, your keys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, 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 I basically I do that joke on Twitter every year. With diminishing results, to be honest, but I do it anyway. There's a lot of that, actually, isn't there, between the two of them. There's a lot of one of them trying to set up a joke and the other one puncturing it before it's ready. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then they move on to the Travel Tavern, um, where two, there's two new members of staff, which makes me think, Travel Tavern is a high turnover area. People don't stay there long. I wonder why. Um, ah, but they're additional members of staff. We just haven't met them in the first episode. Yep. Yeah. Also, there's a little hint of Alan actually being quite sweet in that he brings uh, Sophie the dark chocolate orange because he remembered she didn't like milk. Uh, so he's not like milk chocolate (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know like there's little bits of humanity about him he's not a total monster although at this point in the program I have got a note that just says is Alan a sex pest (laughs) (laughs) I don't know know. it'd be sweet and he's I think that's actually it's quite interesting his kind of relationships with the opposite sex and things like that because well I mean one he's just apart from with lovely Jill in this episode he's largely unsuccessful um, but yeah, I think, and then you have the things where you have, uh, he likes Susan, Su- Su- but then Susan eggs him on 
sometimes just I think to kind of freak him out a little bit yeah just to keep him in a comfortable place but he obviously doesn't fancy Sophie he knows that's outside the, the limits because they <laughs> ask him to him every time yeah and also they ask him if he sent her the uh, the Valentine's card and he says you know she's young enough to be my sister you know blah 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 either way it's incest so uh, <laughs> which she enjoys yeah she but he, he's boarding. incapable of giving a compliment because I think he he kind of remarks on um uh susan's earrings isn't he kind of like little, yes. little tears yeah. and yeah. Uh, she describes them as uh rolled gold he's like well real gold is it gold plated yeah. yeah yeah um but he's yeah. trying but he can't i feel like to him accuracy is more important than flattery yeah like if he's got the opportunity to prove someone wrong he'll take that basically like every dad in the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we we meet um so in this this first scene in the travel tavern in this episode we meet Ben for the first time don't we, we do who as we uh, learn throughout the series is uh, probably Sophie's boyfriend of some some nature mm, just because he says that doesn't mean that he actually uh, sent it he's also now the podcast is just going to be us recreating the script line for line that's um, kind of what we do anyway (laughs) he's also supposed to be five years younger than her i read that he's really he's pitched at 22 and she's pitched at 27 Hmm. that is something i did not know i wouldn't have i mean i don't know why he seems about the same age as her but yeah you know that's what i read go into your comment uh tom about um alan basically being a bit of a sex pest he does kind of make that comment where he insinuates that he'd be happy to watch uh, susan through some kind of binoculars or telescope just going <laughs> i think that's probably why i've got written down is alan a sex pest yeah i, I think <laughs> it does kind of it does lend itself he's a sex to that pest. Yeah. um so with the character ben just to take a slight partridge diversion uh, what other uh, shows have we seen him in? Uh, who I've got my hand <laughs> Tom up. Tom Stab has raised his hand immediately. Yes. He plays the boyfriend in Spaced. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, He's at university in hell. Uh, I mean, Hull. Yes, That's exactly. The, yeah. And he hears uh, Daisy making sex noise on yeah. the phone yeah. in Spaced. Uh, he had, obviously, he had quite a major role in later series of Teachers. As oh, well. that's where I know him from. Um, he's also featured in Smack the Pony. Uh, he was in With one. Sally Phillips. Yep, he was in one episode of Saxondale. He also <laughs> featured in The Look of Love, which was the Steve Coogan. So basically, he's a he's a pal of Steve Coogan. Pretty basically, much, you need someone. He's your man. But there are there are two. Again, again, the great thing about this podcast is if you can't be bothered to look at Wikipedia or IMDb, we are here to do that for you, so you can just listen. You are so, so welcome. Yep. So thanks, IMD, for these, these these bits of information. He has also featured in The Bill. And Midsummer Murders. Of course he has, as he, every British actor. <laughs> exactly. Now, this, this is a great thing. Nearly every kind of key actor in Partridge has had a part in some either Doctors or The Bill or Midsummer Murders or a combination of all three or Casualty. Brilliant. So, all, ben, always good to ben get was the also, figures up. He was uh, hired for all six episodes, but they just couldn't fit him in the first one because they had so many people to introduce, so he had to wait his turn. Oh, so it's not like they recorded scenes with him and they cut them. He was just never actually... No, they just couldn't find a way to squeeze right. him in amongst all the other Ooh. shenanigans of episode one. <laughs> See, to me, I always, I always felt like Ben kind of... I felt like he... I don't think he likes he help, Alan. He helps set up a lot of gags, I yeah, think. But I've always felt like he comes across as quite a smarmy character because yeah. I think he, he knows that Alan quite likes the ladies at reception. And I just feel like he doesn't really... I think he feels like he's taking piss out of Alan knowingly a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he's definitely a dick. And there's, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> but, one particular line in the last. But, but you still like, him. yeah, no, 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 because because like his yeah, his he sets up quite a lot of 
funny things in this in the episode. A lovable knob. Um, but yeah, there's <laughs> there's a the, uh, there's a thing in the la- there's a line in the last episode where he really he cements his dickishness, which will keep subscribing <laughs> I will tell you all about it, it in a few episodes time yeah what's up next oh he complains about his soap withstanding only one aggressive body scrub that's uh, yep but pivotal. he figures out a way to make a rubber tea he doesn't figure it out good point he is so cold he, 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 he could just use two yeah he enacts it he he just use two I suppose that could work also is the most or the best unintentional put down you don't need beauty sleep well 40 weeks <laughs> 40 weeks <laughs> Yeah, but actually, I, I feel like he does that a lot, particularly interacting with Susan. That he will try to pay a compliment, but then he'll take it back by saying another line afterwards. Yeah. Which again, it's like nice. it's that accuracy thing. He says yeah. something, but he can't leave it because he knows it's not one hundred percent true. Yeah. So he yeah. has to then change it. Uh, yeah. So and then not long after this, not long after this, we have the classic "I'm not driving a mini metro" scene with Lynn, which is again another fantastic point. partridge. I had a little look in, online to see how much a mini metro from 1997 would currently <laughs> fetch in today's market. It, it's a Rover metro. <laughs> They've rebadged it, you fool. Um, so he will just talk over you. I will just talk over you. The I had a little look online and <laughs> prices range from <laughs> 575 pounds to up to 1,750 pounds for a new car for a mini metro 1997 wow so you can get one for as cheap as 575 pounds and one as expensive as 750 pounds from looking at what car magazine online not your words not my words the words of what car magazine uh i also did uh also another fact the rover metro was named what car car of the year 1991 which would surely have appealed to alan I also love this exchange with Lynn because it contains a line that it doesn't really fit in anywhere else, but it may, always makes me laugh, which is, you're always going on about Benjamin Netanyahu. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great yeah. meeting. One of the reasons they <laughs> threw that in, apparently, is because they, want, because they wanted um, there to be a little sinister undercurrent to Lynn. Like, she's not entirely a good person. Uh, so they threw in, like, her sort of admiration for racist Benjamin Netanyahu. Right. Uh, and, uh, and they like the idea that, like, when he'd had his TV show in the previous series, she would have had a few people working under her and she would have been ruthlessly cruel to them sort of passed on the cruelty she gets from Alan it's, it's, a, it's a trickle down system of cruelty yeah basically. it's something you see later on in, in like in later episodes when you know w- w- with Tony Hare's demise and her reaction that kind of you can tell that she's she's not entirely a, a wholesome Baptist lady right. they also had a backstory where she got kissed by a boxer when she was 17 I don't know what that has to do with anything <laughs> but are we assuming that Lynn was Alan's PA when they did the when he first started on the uh, Know Me Knowing You I would presume so because at the I point so, yeah. she comes into this series fully formed. It's not like he's tr- he's training her or hiring her or anything. I feel like she's been around. Right. Yeah, Are we aware but, of the gap between? Because there's no kind of element to the story where she's new, a new PA that doesn't know him. Or, right. Yeah. Okay. So I, I would assume so, but I don't know. Maybe I don't know if because obviously, kind of the Alan timeline is all quite comprehensively referenced in the book. So whether. That whether you could backtrack and find the first mention of his assistant in the book. Yeah, obviously we've, we've not bothered Lynn to is, read it. No, no. Lynn I mean, isn't named. Lynn, Lynn is never referred to by name no, in the book. Right. It's always my, my assistant. assistant. Yep. Shortly after that point, we get uh, the introduction of a prop that uh, proves to be pivotal in future uh, episodes, namely the 12-inch plate. Um, <laughs> one, the, the first thing that occurred to me is he only ever brings it to buffets, so how is it a scam? 
If it's a buffet, you can just go back as often as you like. Why do you need a bigger plate? That's the joke, isn't it? Is yeah, it? I think that. I think, I think that's yeah. the joke. Oh, I feel silly now. <laughs> you haven't. You haven't understood. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> I've discovered the joke while getting the joke. Well, that's fine, and that's part of the reason for us doing this. Exactly, because people at home might also be simple. So like if you, you miss that joke, <laughs> not if you didn't get that I mean, joke I, too, why not send us a tweet? I understood that. I was just that's oh, at right, the fine. partridge. <laughs> fine, guys. Fine. <laughs> Um, I was also thinking cause the mini metro scene with him and Lynn. Um, do you, would would we all agree that I feel like he perhaps interacts with Lynn directly more in series one than series two? I feel like there are a lot more episodes, a, a, a lot more scenes which focus on him and Lynn one on one. Well, I think in the second series she's given a bit more context and backstory, mm. and yeah. well, not necessarily backstory, but she's given more to do. Her mother's money's yeah. come through, and also and she's also dating that man from that he met at church. Yeah. Yeah. They're laughing at rain, and like, he's got Sonia. So yeah, there's yeah. yeah. only so much screen time to go around. Yeah, exactly. So, but I think that's you know. <laughs> yeah, I think so I feel there are more point. there are more characters at a level where his screen time with Lynn is depleted. Yeah, um, and he then goes on to have a conversation with Michael uh, about identifying people's sausages by their dental records that's <laughs> why he says oh you know I want it charred want it charred to a crisp you can only identify it by its dental records and then Michael says well yeah and you know suggests you could fingerprint it and then Alan's like no that's ridiculous but obviously <laughs> up to that point so, the conversation was grounded in reality exactly. but that was just too far dental yeah. records fine but fingerprints crazy um, I, I, I also made a note on this scene when he's with Michael just the awfulness of Michael's waistcoat and just the general <laughs> Linton Travel Tavern kind of uniform. It's very 90s. Well, though, that's isn't it. it. I mean, it, obviously, it, it is a 90s, but it, you kind of, it, you know, it ties in with obviously Alan always wears horrendous jumpers, the, the awful decor of the Travel Tavern, just like the horrendous patterns, the pastel colors. Even in the restaurant with Tony Hares in the previous episode, it's kind of everything is just a horrible 90s pastel shade yeah it's and like a beige explosion it, i mean it's it's just it's horrendous but it's very 90s so that, that this is what it is but again and i think that thing about the kind of the awful hotels being very partridge it's anything that has those kind of linton travel tavern type flowery patterns and pastel color schemes that's that's very much what this is all about yeah totally also on a practical level if you've got a breakfast buffet, how can you request that your sausages are burnt to a crisp? Con- uh, you, you've dropped a continuity bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> or, I think or Alan is such that a relationship with yeah, Michael that he I think can so, ask. Yeah, for he's such a big deal in that hotel. I mean, he's probably the only guest in the hotel. Mm-hmm. So we got we we kind of spoke in the first episode about how Alan had been in the hotel for about ten weeks. I'm going to look to Adam to give us an update yeah. in terms of Adam Alan's timeline. I'm going to have to fess up to a slight error. It's ten ten weeks is the point he's been in the travel tavern in this episode. Oh. Ten, we're at ten. We're at ten weeks. Come to think of it, I think those four Valentine's cards at the start were all dave clifton's I, I don't think alan got any the alcoholic dave clifton yep that's right his boozy <laughs> lovers um by the way i've got a page in my notes here that just is just underlined saying innuendo watch with jill so let me know when you want me to deploy it Ooh, okay <laughs> I've, I've listed all of them again if you haven't enjoyed the first 10 minutes of this podcast do keep listening for that yep. <laughs> coming up <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we're up to the point where he uh, has made the difficult decision to sack everyone from Pear Tree Productions rather than downsize his car, right? Absolutely. Even yeah. though... He could have kept it to a skillful stuff of two. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and he could have had uh, the Rover Metro with the Walnut uh, gearbox, um, but he chose not to. <laughs> I think that's important to know. Very important. <laughs> 
I had in my notes here that um, I think a bit of a continuity issue, perhaps. So when he's at the Pear Tree Productions office and before he started the sacking, so you go into one of the um, strip club dream sequences, you actually notice in the background all the staff already have the party hats on. So he's kind of come in, he's lied about having a second series, and then two seconds later, everybody's got kind of silver party hats on and party <laughs> poppers out. It's just ridiculous. Also, one of the guys who looks to be about 25, if not younger, is wearing a Deacon Blue t-shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, it was 1997. Maybe that was Alan's influence. Yeah, yeah I wonder if, if if Alan is exclusively... he. That's how that guy got hired. Because they're both yeah, fans yeah, yeah. of... I think it must be, because I don't think Deacon Blue were that big... Like they'd had a hit in the early nineties, but they weren't that big then. So Very I think that's much little... an eighties proposition. Yeah. So um, yeah, they all get sacked with, with, for various ridiculous reasons, and then they're sent off uh, down the fire escape. One, he... one man because he tucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, they had a lot of trouble with this episode from the commentary. They had a lot of trouble engineering a situation where Jill was out of the room, but everyone else was in it, and that's why she gets sent off for snacks. Basically. Also, one of my favourite quick Alan lines in in this pair two production scene, where he just turns around to somebody and says, "Bash your ass." also what about the guy that goes out to get some sparkling white wine what happens to him oh yeah another continuity bombshell (laughs) (laughs) and what else does he get the BBC are going to try and get this podcast stopped for pointing out continuity errors Piper Pringles Piper Pringles will suffice suffice. well we've actually got a Piper Pringles here actually we have you can't see it you'll just have to take our word for it well you can hear Tom eating that now so (laughs) we've gone method basically okay we're going to take a picture of it and put it on the interwebs on the socials for you and you you can can also see how our microphones are basically sellotaped together as well nothing but the best yeah Uh, so what does Alan say when uh, Jill comes back and it's apparent that basically no one else is in the room uh, all sorts. I've got. Well, do you want me to, I've got a couple of innuendo watch with Jill. Well, I was basically going to say. I think before we get to that, he has to kind of make up a bit of a lie to explain away the fact that no one's there. Oh, you're talking ah, Long yes. Stanton Spice Museum. Now, yes. has anyone been on the Long Stanton Spice Museum website? Have you, Nick? It, yes, I have. But it doesn't exist, does it? Or does it? Surely not. It does exist. There's a genuine website. I suggest you check it out. And uh, there's an FAQ, or basically on the homepage, it does stress, yes, this is a real museum. Because there's, there's clearly so many people that don't believe that it's actually a thing. But if you go on there, uh, you will see that it's actually and what, real. What, what is that website address for everybody listening? Uh, longstantonspicemuseum.co.uk Because I've literally just had a look at it because I didn't believe that it was a real <laughs> place. And it genuinely is. It, look, it actually looks very classy. It does, website. actually. Yeah, they've got quite, quite a good website. Oh, in fact, on the front page of their website, it still has a question that says, is Longstanton Spice Museum real? See? Yeah, amazing. Maybe we should organise a day trip. I'm not sure, the, is the Owl Sanctuary real that he takes Lynn to? No, it's not. It's not. Although it is, it's a, it's a gig venue, it's someone, a music venue. Yeah, someone's opened a venue, presumably in tribute to this, which was under threat last year, but is now safe for the Oh, I thought it was closing down. I've got I in think, my notes that it's closing down. I think they've rebadged it, you fool. Oh, um, yeah, good I think news. At, at the time of speaking, it is fine, and they put on good gigs, including friends of the podcast, Tellison. They played there recently. Big up, Tellison. Tellison. Um... Yeah, so, okay, so this is the beginning of when I started paying proper attention to Innuendo Watch with Jill. Uh, all your segments are intact. That's the first uh, the first chocolate-related bomb dropped. I, I love the way he reacts to all the, the Jill Innuendos as well. It's always like... Yeah. <laughs> his, his noises are incredible. Oh, yeah, there's something I noticed. When he was in the dream sequence, uh, the person supposedly playing Tony Hare says, I like your thong, but it's not in the voice of that actor. I think they've had to dub it in afterwards. Really? Yeah, a bit of ADR. Well, is that another continuity bombshell? A bit weird. God, they are That's spaffing at the Brian Centre, aren't anyway, they, on this episode? Back to Innuendo Watch. Uh, there's then, you're packed in a bit tight. 
I prefer fingers. Chocolate ones, don't mind really. And that's when you get that's when you get that noise. Uh, it's all fallen into place now. I think that's a bit later in the episode when he's talking about how long he's been pubic for. <laughs> no, don't you? Have you got also? Uh, you probably call a spade a spade. Actually, I, think I actually you call, call it a big, big tool. tool. Yeah. It's also important to note that there's a fair portion of this conversation where he's basically talking through a half-closed door Oh yeah, because he hasn't got the confidence to just have a conversation with someone well, his for fear of rejection. His original plan was to lock her in uh, because she was fired um, and so I think he only Again, lock, locking a woman in just her and Alan that bit of sex bestie. Classic Alan Beckham. Yeah, and also he's basically keeping this conversation going just to see if he's actually might get his end away. Yeah. Uh, now, just on on the character of Jill who is played by Julia Deakin mm-hmm. what else have we seen Julia Deakin in? Tom Stab's hand has gone up again immediately I think I think I know where this is going he yes. plays Tim and Daisy's land- she plays Tim and Daisy's landlady in the sitcom Spaced that is uh, correct she plays Marsha in Marsha that's it yep. and you'll be pleased to know she's also been in Doctors and the bill uh, no, but she has been Hobby City. <laughs> so she hasn't quite got the three. She's not done the three. She hasn't got the hat trick. No, She'll never get the bill now either. Medical hat trick. You need you need casualty or the bill. Yeah, I'll to complete that. Place. Yeah. Um, are they filmed all the owl owl shots at the owl sanctuary first, and then they worked out what he was going to say about the owls afterwards? What do you mean? So they went down to the owl sanctuary. They filmed all the owl only shots, right? Okay, and then oh, they worked out the kind of you know the death row the death, stuff yeah. that he comes up with. I think that's possibly my favourite. Like bit of writing in the whole episode the uh, uh how to execute <laughs> a bird of prey, <laughs> a bird of prey. Yeah. i think it's, it's it's one of the ones steve coogan like best as well because i think it's it's it seems like it's going nowhere like he's just rambling and then there's quite a there's a really good payoff at the end of it and again i, w- I wonder how much of that if any was improvised as well well i guess it, uh, it kind of links back to my opinion on this episode about being it about it being really good is that i think uh, in terms of being the best written episode, or, or be uh, how how the quality of the writing, I think it's probably the best because you've got the mini metro scene, which is brilliant. You've got the beef burgers for a palm uh, and sausages uh, exchange with yeah. Michael, and then this, and then also the sacking of people at Pear Tree Productions, which is also very very funny. So I think probably this episode, when I went back and rewatched it, I laughed the most watching this. I think episode. also. Um it's kind of the the partridge mannerisms that you see in this episode so things like the way when he's trying to kind of fool around with jill at the owl sanctuary so he's just like standing in a weird way being wacky it's just so funny but again it's kind of it's that thing you i don't think you could even nail that with like kind of stage directions within the script yeah. it comes down to coogan inhabiting that character and just just being alan I'm going to throw it out there. It's my favourite episode of the series. Oh, God, we've, yeah. we've gone in early on it's that. It's mine okay. too. It's mine too. Wow. Um, this, whole, this whole podcast was almost derailed for a second because I read something on Tom Stab's notes that I can't <laughs> believe we're going to actually discuss. Uh, <laughs> talks about how, how Alan's been pubic for 31 years and then he's written a follow-up question to the, to the host. How long have you been pubic? <laughs> <laughs> it's just tough. Yeah. You're just... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to answer that. So, going back to Julia Deacon, yeah. can you name any Tell films more... that she's been in? I, uh, oh, uh, no. I've got my hand up again. Yeah, go, hand go, up. Uh, she was, I think she was the uh, hotel sort of uh, owner in uh, Hot Fuzz, I think. Or she was, yes. like, she played a part yes. in Hot Fuzz. Yep. yep. So I'm guessing she, she also probably played a part in Shaun of the Dead yep. and uh, The World's End. Yep. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I mean, she's been in other films, but those are the main things that we're going to care about here. So that's that. That's fine. Strong Cornetto trilogy vibes. Exactly. 
Um, so at that point, they're back to the hotel for the romantic buffet. Six pounds. I was going to say that's that is romantic and value for money. All yeah. you can eat as well for six pounds. You don't yep. see that value anymore. Got your big plate. Um, to do research for that, um, Armando and some of the writing team actually went to a load of hotel buffets and they found that um, they were they were looking for kind of you know little in- idiosyncratic things about those sorts of meals and they found that there was one that had incredibly tight conditions around it. It was sort of <laughs> it was like something like. It was a buffet, but you could only have sausages from a certain portion of the like of the buffet, and you could only have three per person or something like that. Some kind of ridiculous uh, terms and conditions. Well, to be honest, if you're going to have a six pound or you can eat buffet, people are going to take advantage, and so by limiting the amount of sausages people can have, that does a, mm, allow them to keep costs down. Would, would there be that, sausages on the menu for a Valentine's? I supper? think at the Linton uh, Travel Tavern there probably would yeah, be. Yeah, I think probably. Toad, maybe toad, toad in the hole, tavern. sausage yeah. and mash. Fair enough. With uh, cheap options. A half bottle of champagne. Yes. Yep. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) we then see Alan basically make an incredibly romantic uh, gesture where he, you know, excuses himself from the table and goes up to the live band, which basically is a a, a guitarist and a keyboard player. Um, And he begins to basically serenade Jill, who is described as the lady in red with bag in her mouth orange hair and a cigarette in her mouth absolutely um and i like to think with this we don't need to kind of go over what happens i think most people will basically know that alan starts to sing is incapable of finding the key they keep repeating it over and over again it's an absolute mess i'll forget it and you can i don't there's a couple of points where you kind of see extras in the background and no one is basically looking at him or caring what's going on apart from jill um but yeah he's completely incapable of singing and i like to think do we think there was any kind of like sound checking or preparation for this or was it just completely spontaneous and Alan had kind of, you know, given a signal to the uh, musicians in real life or in the show? No, just in the show. Oh, in the show. Uh, I, I don't know how... I feel like he would have done some prep but he would have asked them all the wrong questions. So they <laughs> yeah. hadn't actually like, what key up. is this song in? <laughs> yeah, exactly, like play yeah, me I, the first I, I think he's gone there, he's put his name down to sing that song yeah. as a surprise for Jill but that's all he's done. Yeah. yeah, it's backfired. Or has it? Well... Well, Jill will, Jill well. will be sleeping with me tonight. I don't remember saying that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but again, it, 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 but it's exchanges like that that I think make this episode so good because it, it's just so quotable. Yeah. And Steve Coogan was worried about his delivery of when, when he says, Come on to her because he meant to say it like, you know, Jill, obviously Jill's, you're going to sleep with me. But yeah. he, he thinks he delivered that line in a way that made it sound like he was pleading with her. But I, I thought... No, he, I don't agree no, with that No, I, I, I think he got it right. I think it was obvious that he expected yeah. her to go to bed with him. Yeah, Jill's committed to basically have dinner. She's either gone home or somehow got a new dress. Yeah. <laughs> She's at the travel tavern. It's only going one way, and yeah. that is up in the elevator to I, his room. I think he knew he had to seal the deal because Lynn had turned up with her snazzy cardigan and her foot powder and was trying to get Jill to share the cab. So, there... Oh. <laughs> wow. Are you about to ask us how long we've been pubic? No. <laughs> okay. Well, I think no, we've we agreed. We're not talking about we covered this. that. Uh, no, the point you made, Tom, earlier mm. about uh, yeah. does, uh, or do we think that uh, Lynn is in love with Alan? I see. Syndrome, maybe. Yeah, I, I feel it's a strange one because I feel in some episodes it is deliberately hinted towards like this exchange. Um, so, you know, what. <laughs> Like, has Lynn really gone gone all the way to the travel tavern just to tell Alan about the... Is it the walnut gear knob? The walnut yeah. gear yeah. knob. Um, but then, as we can see, she's got her snazzy cardigan on. She's made up. So, 
has she thought that Alan might be there alone and she could just have a nice romantic dinner with him? I think no, I think she knows that she, she sees Jill as a bit of a threat, doesn't she? Yeah. Cause kind of, it's the relationship that she has with Alan that yeah. even though it's basically one of a slave and a master, no affection, there's, there's no affection. She's a, she's a, yeah. So do we, do we, yeah. do we think it's, so it's not maybe a romantic interest in Alan. It's more just, it's the she, threat. that companionship. Yeah. It's for I his time so. and attention. I think yeah. more than anything. Um, but what I love is, is her attempt to sort of phase Jill by bringing the fungal foot powder and alerting her to Alan's condition. But he's completely oblivious to the fact that. <laughs> yeah. that would, you know, he's just like great. Very practical. Remembered. Oh, yeah. remembered. Jill is a bit mortified, though. To be fair, there's a look on her face that's yeah. like. Uh, to be what fair, am I getting though, myself into? Not mortified enough to not have sex with him about 15 <laughs> has minutes she already, later. <laughs> has she already agreed to have sex with him at this point? No, no I think no, the night just could, after that. The night could go anywhere, but clearly she's got it on her mind. Yes, yeah. she has. Uh, she's and then, and then of and course, Also, during this dinner, it's worth mentioning that is the Billoddy mention of this episode, I believe. That takes the count up to three, mm-hmm. averaging one per episode so far. I think we can maybe see a pattern emerging. 1.5. I was going to say, that's basic maths. Bad maths. You said one, one per episode, we're on episode two. One per episode. So we've established you were privately educated <laughs> and you... you <laughs> what, no, no, what did I say? Did you I say? Said, said three Billoddy references. Yeah. Sorry, I thought we were on episode three. Right, okay. Right. Two Billy... Two Billy... Two... <laughs> Speaking basic arithmetic, <laughs> Bill Carr. Yeah. At this point, so you were privately educated, but just yes. speaking and... And two beers. And two. <laughs> <laughs> we've all had a beer. Um, so at this point, they, they head upstairs. Uh, reception alert Alan to the fact that they've rumbled his big plate scam. <laughs> are they trying to sabotage what's about to happen? Because they, I mean, they, they're all basically they, waiting in reception. They are chuckling they? away yeah. as basically Alan tries to leave with Which an air of dignity. Sad, with, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is a little bit. He sort of has to steer Jill towards the lift because they're both yeah. ruined. <laughs> are yeah. they? Well, I think I think that's the insinuation that she's certainly basically smashed. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and, and then when they get up to his room, you have the brilliant bit where he comes out of the toilet saying, "I'd leave it for a bit for about yeah. fifteen minutes." So basically, <laughs> the first thing he does is has a poo. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea that basically he's like, "Okay, you know, put the TV on, watch whatever you want. I'm just going to go and do a big poo." <laughs> or it's just basically, you know, that kind of thing where you go, "I'm just going to go freshen up." Yeah, <laughs> he goes into the toilet. There's drops a massive there's, there's, there's no. Illusion about the kind of freshening up he's doing when you're in a travel tavern room that small yeah ironically there is no freshening happening in that room can i run you through a couple of choice phrases that come up during the sex scene oh please do okay obviously there's uh, well firstly there's the negotiation over cash um, which is <laughs> absolutely brilliant where he sort of ends up haggling by default with her about how much he's going to pay her to have sex with him even though it was his understanding that no money would change hands armando and nietzsche i think it was a big fan of the fact that there was a conversation in the lift that they didn't have to write but it's got comedy value of its own about about the fact it would be free <laughs> um and then uh, i've written down some words he uses as a description of the sex they have lovely first class superb and it's all happening uh, and obviously he, he goes the holy trinity when trying to describe condoms as sheaths prophylactics and rubber johnnies <laughs> Uh, let and, battle and then, commence. And then suggest that maybe at her age they don't even need them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure Amazing. Jill is a big fan of. Yep. Let battle commence. That comes up as well. And shall I move on to the other one? Yeah, it's, it's pretty clear that Jill is in a different league to Carol in terms of lovemaking and. Uh, <laughs> we, we... <laughs> I think that, this sounds like Nick has personal insight. No, 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 no. I just think it's implied. I mean, obviously, obviously, the scene is kind of in in darkness. So you don't know what's going on. But I think what Alan is saying, he's clearly not very confident with Jill, who's 
basically, you know, taken the bull by the horn, so to speak, and is very much getting in there. Uh, and I think that, yeah, when uh, there's a, there's an insinuation or a suggestion that, that Jill is Premier League when it comes to lovemaking. Whereas, I think whereas, whereas Alan was yeah. one getting in there. He's like, do you like that? No, I then do you remember Jill is the one that introduces food into the equation? Yeah, and the point you can tell where she is, she is the leading partner in this scenario is when he, he tells her that she really, and I quote, knows her onions. <laughs> the worst <laughs> sex reference of all time. <laughs> I love this scene with him and Jill because you have again it's just classic Partridge quotes about pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre access to Dixon's wheelchairs all that sort of thing so I had a little thought a friend of ours a mutual friend of ours uh, Max actually comes from Norwich so shall we try and get him on the phone and ask for his thoughts on the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre amazing that is a brilliant idea if that's not going to be podcast gold I don't know what is an inside scoop we'll see (laughs) alright I'm confident so he doesn't know we're going to ring him I think we should give it a try and see if we can get anything useful right okay I'm just going to get his name and number up on my phone and then I'll give him a call so we're going live to our Norwich City Centre correspondent Max <laughs> it's ringing. Speaker, speaker phone. Hello. Hello, Maxim. Hello, Tom. Hello. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? We're good. Um, we wanted to know. We're talking. We're currently talking about uh, Alan Partridge, and uh, amongst num- numerous topics in this episode include uh, the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre. So bear in mind this is around 1997. You are. Can you confirm that you are in fact from Norwich and were living in Norwich at this time? I yeah. Well, I I grew up in North Norfolk, but Norwich is only only city. Um, what? area with any kind of like any decent shops or anything um at all so the only place with it i would have been i would have been 11 in 1997 okay can you remember anything about did the pedestrianization of norwich city center a did it actually happen and b was it a benefit to norwich city center so um i believe that norwich norwich actually um the first city in the uk to have a pedestrianized area amazing Um, facts um, Can we fact check that? Which was in like um, <laughs> apparently in the in the sixties, and um, I think is it Dick is it Dixon's that Access you to Dixon's, to? Yep. Yep. exactly. Yeah, so the Dixon's is on um, is on a street called Gentleman's Walk, which um, itself is pedestrianised, mm. but obviously you know it does allow for access to <laughs> to, the, to, uh, to Dixon's and uh, all the others. It's a typical UK high street, like W.O. Smiths. Top shop, Foster's Menswear. Well, Foster's Menswear, very important. Other establishments are available. Yeah, Matt, Matt, Max, yeah, do, Max, do you um, do you remember Foster's Menswear? Say again. Do Do you remember Foster's Menswear, the the high street retail outlet of the nineties? I do, but I don't think there yes. was one on Gentleman's Walk. Gentleman's Walk was pedestrianised in the seventies, I think, and um, so I can only I so, can only ever remember it being pedestrianised. So as far as you're concerned, the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre didn't happen in the 90s. It actually happened in the 70s. Therefore, Alan Partridge is factually... Factually? Factually. Factually, 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 factually inaccurate. At the very north Tom. Unless if Alan is just embracing a topic that is a good 20 years old because that's what he's interested in. Can you tell us any other uh, like sort of facts about Norwich that are applicable to Partridge? Was there any sort of cultural impact that Partridge had on Norwich around this time? I, I think generally most people 
I think a lot of people in Norfolk and Norwich felt that he was um, mocking Norwich quite a bit. So there wasn't a massive amount of positivity towards him. Um, I know a lot of people that did, did like Partridge and stuff, but um, I, I never really, I never really watched it um, particularly. But like, cut him off! Cut him off now! <laughs> every time that I mention I'm from Norwich, it's always the pedestrian <laughs> Something about the brokering a deal with Sky and Cloisters <laughs> or Cathedral Cloisters or something like that. But um, when the Alpha Papa um, film happened, they did, they did the premiere. At, um, uh, it's a cinema, Hollywood cinema. Um, it's a shopping centre called Anglia Square, which is a horrible 1960s shopping centre. And okay. it literally was the biggest thing that happened to Norwich <laughs> ever, which sort of says something about how, um, how steep it is as a, as a city. Yeah. Awesome. Our Norwich correspondent, Maxim Luckin. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Max. Bye. No problem. Have a lovely day, guys. Bye. 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 <laughs> well, I think I think we learned uh, quite a lot there. So basically, the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre didn't actually happen in well, around yeah. that time. <clears throat> So just on the uh, Alan and Jill sex scene, uh, on the commentary, they talk a little bit about how that's filmed. Effectively, it's Steve Coogan and, uh, oh, what's her name again? Julie, Julia, Julia Deacon, Deacon lying side by side in the dark. Well, no, w- with a script and a microphone and um, they're shining a torch, which they had to get rid of in post-production. But um, right. they basically read through that whole scene lying on a bed together. But uh, no actual intercourse took place. So I should stress oh. that. Disappointing. Yeah, um, that's right. You, you'd have thought that they could have just filmed them just lying in bed and then dubbed it in dubbed over dubbed a voiceover to the instead of lying in mm. bed with a torch I mean who am I Seems to make like sense a, of television well exactly who don't knows? come around here with your common sense dark fair enough so uh, coitus successfully performed <laughs> <laughs> they then, well, uh, successfully. Uh, well, I've got a note. Did yeah. they? Didn't they? Did it? Well, exactly. Was there actually I, a completion? I yeah. Was the access to Dixon's a? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It might have been scuppered by the moose. I, I, guess. I think the chocolate of moose may have stopped play. No, uh, I think so. Rain yeah. stopped play. Yeah. The aftermath of that uh, encounter was the most times that Steve Coogan corpsed on set trying to have the conversation with Michael. Oh, that's yeah. a famous outtake. That's, isn't that's it? part oh, of the yeah. add-on Alan yeah. sequences. Yeah. Also, they were very adamant when they made that that they would explain it was chocolate as early as possible because they thought that some people may genuinely have thought that she'd taken a shit. It on was it. a dirty. It was a dirty protest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Alan's concerns were also the producers yes, exactly. of the series' concerns. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, it, it's worth uh, if you haven't seen the add-on Alan uh, sections, which were on the VHS tapes and are on the DVDs. They, I think they're all on YouTube as well. <laughs> they are available on VHS if you want to go to the past. <laughs> Our price records. <laughs> well, if you remember, this was in the nineties, so that was yeah. Th- that before DVD was a glimmering yeah. to be the fair, eye of whoever invented DVD. Someone, someone down the road from my house, I went past the other day and they'd Bristol. Throw, yeah, Bristol. They, <laughs> exactly, I live in exactly Bristol, England. They'd thrown out a load of VHS of Alan Partridge, so that suggests up until recently they were still in active circulation the in that house. Is at more least. Uh, I do still own the Alan Partridge uh, VHS box sets, but they are basically ornamental. <laughs> Waiting for that sweet, sweet Christie's auction. Exactly. They're going to be worth money someday. You know, especially if his podcast takes off, the interest will uh, skyrocket. Well, if anyone wants to buy Dark's VHSs off him for they are five not for billion sale. They are not for, oh, Okay, they're for sale for that yeah, amount. There yes. we go. Um, so as soon as this is this is over and, and uh, the chocolate mousse situation is sorted <laughs> out... <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Jill's in the cab home, smoking again, obviously. <laughs> a lot of smoking indoors. It made me realise how uh, how old this series is. I wonder if Alan made a token gesture to pay for the cab as well. Or whether Absolutely it, not. No, I think he, chance. he may have driven Fine. it to the rank. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, yeah, and he's obviously back to back broadcasting, which is a bit odd. So he's been for a Valentine's dinner. He's had real full sex with a real woman. And then he's uh, and then he's gone to broadcast his radio show all in the same night. But then if you think he's in the graveyard shift, so what time does the show start? I would assume 4am. Yeah, and also it implies... Well, he's pulled an all-nighter it implies he's kicked her out immediately after sex as well she didn't get to have a few hours sleep yeah which which sounds very much like Alan I think sure Um, also does anybody think that the character of Jill is actually quite similar in many ways to the character of Marsha in space Mm. that always a fag hanging out of the mouth likes a glass of wine when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's 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 a lot of cr- lot of crossover in the Venn diagram, isn't there? It's basically an audition for space, isn't it? Maybe yeah. Maybe Peg and uh, Ro- uh, Edgar Wright saw this episode and uh, thought that's quite a good idea for a character. Oh, I'm just Co- a controversial statement. <laughs> so what we're going to do now is we're going to eat some Terry's chocolate orange. I've already started. <laughs> should should we also start uh, the cards against Alanity section of the show, which has become a regular occurrence for regular listeners? <laughs> Yeah, let's head on to that now. Unless there's a threat of legal action from the makers of cards. In which case, that section will no longer exist and you'll have no idea what we're talking about. Although you have hurtfully cut out the bit where he threatens to speak to Norfolk's youngest butcher. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and ironically, butchers hot chocolates, it started with a kiss. Um, And I love the jumper he's wearing for that sequence. That's a particular Partridge uh, clothing favourite of mine. They had to go to Ireland and pay over £200 for that jumper. Really? Yeah, apparently apparently it's it's what rich farmers wear and they couldn't find anything ghastly enough in London so they had to go to Ireland no offence to our Irish listeners so you're, you're saying rich farmers rich wear farmers. ghastly clothing I'm, so you've offended farmers as well so yeah. this is very much I'm looking forward to having a fa- real life I'm looking forward to having a face off with uh, Chris Morris in a future episode and they'll episode. throw a cow off a bridge that will <laughs> land on you exactly um, yeah I also love the way that he uh, stresses that she's been sacked as well 
Uh, he mentions it once and then uh, has to clarify <laughs> to an audience of one your contract has been terminated. Also, just a little fact for you about Norwich and its relationship with the series. Uh, none of this series was actually filmed in Norwich. No. Uh, it was all in surrounding areas. Um, bombshell. Also, uh, Norwich City Councillor blamed the series for Norwich failing to be shortlisted as a European City of Culture in 2008. They claimed it had done if its reputation anything, too much damage. added to their cultural cachet, I would think. That's I mean, outrageous. They were more than happy to have the Alpha Papa premiere there. Yeah. Okay, so, there you go. Anyway, uh, that's probably it for the bulk of this episode. Stay tuned. Cars Against Alanity coming up in a sec. Okay, it's time for Cards Against Alanity. This is a Cards Against Humanity themed quiz. Uh, all of the answers and all of the questions are taken from genuine speech uh, from this series of I'm Alan Partridge. Uh, what we're going to do is read out an incomplete sentence. Everybody has a card with various phrases on it. They're going to pick the best one, hand it in, and then producer Jed, who is not allowed to speak, uh, is going to ping the bell to signify whose is the best. And that bell you're about to hear now. Okay. There we go. That's what it sounds like. Um, so this uh, this week's uh, sentence is "You're a rotten shit too. Get your dot dot dot." Very good. So that is also one of my favourite lines from this episode. Everybody, find your cards. Um, oh, mine work for this. Okay. Can you read it again, please? Uh, yeah, it's "You're a rotten shit too. Get your dot dot dot." Oh, none of mine work. Thank, Thank you very go. much. Mine's the shit Thank one. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to quickly show them all to Jed so that he's had a little chance to review the quality of comedy on offer here. And then I'm going to read them all out and he's going to ping his bell at the one that he thinks is the funniest. Again, this is very ping exciting. So far, I should recap the scores as well. Um, so, <laughs> on one episode. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long week. People have short memories. Uh, so Nick is on one. Everyone else is on zero. Hey! So, score again Nick won everyone else here we go okay so we're going to read I'm going to read all of these out and then Jed is going to ping his bell at the one that tickles his fancy you're a rotten shit too get your 50 shop soil chocolate oranges you're a rotten shit too get your enormous fox's glacier mint you're a rotten shit too get your coat which is the actual line and uh, you're a rotten shit too get your 20 foot high chickens uh, hey! he said it again Oh, okay. Nick is Nick, two. Everyone else Nick, is on you zero. Win another segment of Terry's chocolate orange. There is there a casual alternative? No, there's, there's <laughs> no casual alternative. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, Scoff that down. Enjoy more cards against Alanity next time. So with that, we come to the end of another episode of Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge podcast. Thanks very much for listening to our thoughts on Alan Attraction episode two. Join us next week when we delve into Watership Alan. Alan getting into deep water when he presents a promotional video for a boating company. Uh, you can catch up with all of us uh, by emailing thepartridgepod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at thepartridgepod and we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash thepartridgepod. We've also got personal accounts if you want to stalk us and be mildly scary within the parameters of acceptable social behaviour. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Adam Nonfiction. I'm on Twitter at at Tom Dark. I am on Twitter at at Nick Alder. I'm also on Twitter and you can find me on at Tom Stab with two Bs. I mean, why, why would you? I mean, we literally have no idea, but there it is. Yeah. Follow us all and we'll pick someone exclusively to win nothing. See you next week. Bye. 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 This is a post-pop podcast produced by Jed Shepard. To find out more about the records they release and the podcasts they make, head to postpoprecords.com. Monkey tennis? Monkey 
tennis? Look, looks like a lady, but uh, really it's a man. Monkey tennis? Tennis. Also, it yeah. was it was nominated. It was also nominated for a British Comedy Award 2003 for Best TV Comedy, and it lost that as well. Do you want to guess what show it lost it to? British Comedy. A better British Comedy in 2000. It, no, not a better British Comedy, but it did lose. Well, 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 no, that's what I, um, was that Little Britain? No. Again, that's too early. I think. Give up. Uh, uh, Mighty Boosh. No, not even that. No, that's too early as well. I think. Uh, you, yeah, you're we're, gonna we're British Empire coupling. Oh, oh fuck off. Yeah, get, <laughs> get out. Yeah. Absolute bum. Yeah. Oh. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.